I'm sure you've heard the phrase, the just shall live by faith. But what does that actually mean? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be diving into Galatians chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, where we're going to be discovering the theological meaning and the significance of the just living by faith. So turn to Galatians chapter 3, and let's get into it. Thanks for joining us on Stand Strong in the Word podcast with author, speaker, and worldview expert, Jason Jimenez. Stand Strong in the Word podcast is devoted to walking listeners through the Bible in a fresh and powerful way. We pray your spirit is nourished as you gain new perspectives and a renewed appreciation for God's Word. Now, here's Jason Jimenez. Well, hello, my friends. I pray that you are blessed in the Lord. Appreciate you guys so much for taking another opportunity to join me here on Stand Strong in the Word, where, as you know, the whole purpose of this podcast, our time together, is to learn the Holy Scriptures, to see what, in this case, the book of Galatians says, what Paul wrote to the Galatians, but also through the power of the Spirit, what message he has for us today. Now, as I pose the question in the opening, what does it actually mean to be justified by faith or In this case, what we're going to see today, the righteous shall live by faith. What does that look like? Do we have a picture of that? Because as I said in our last podcast, and you could always check out any any of the previous podcasts that we've done where you get your podcast, but you can also go to standstrongministries.org, click on the tab on the on the very top up there, podcasts, and scroll down to Galatians, and you can get all the latest podcast that we have with my notes as well. Of course, you can't get the notes where you get your podcast at, but you can definitely get it when you go to standstrongministries.org. So this is podcast 170. So where we left off, the question was, how was Abraham saved? And we were diving into the justification by faith that this is the first time in history, in the church history, in the early part of the church history, where the theology was being unpacked by Paul. Now, later in life, obviously, as we have this doctrine of justification by faith, we have really, you know, uh, through church fathers, you know, the patristic fathers and, and theologians to come have really grappled with this meaning in different denominations or uh, different perspectives or frameworks, whether it be Arminianists or Calvinists, you know, they have different rendering here. The Catholics, you know, believe in meritorious justification. And as Protestants, we believe in forensic justification. And so if you missed out on the last podcast, when we were going through chapter three, verses six through nine, and looking at how Abraham was saved, I explore some of the meaning in the text that, <clears throat> that Paul uses. And so now, obviously, we continue in context of now Paul saying, okay, I gave Abraham as an example. And if you guys remember, Abraham was an example given because the point being was before the circumcision of Abram, right, and his children to come, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Abraham was, his faith, that is, was accounted to him as righteous, meaning he had faith in God. So prior to living in the circumcision into the covenant, He wasn't saved because he was in covenant with God. God saw him as a child of God. One, yes, made in his image. But two, because when God called Abram out of the polytheistic culture in the land of the Chaldeans, he trusted in God 
as father, as savior, as deliverer. And he promised him that if he walked in obedience, when he left his hometown, the Chaldeans, and would travel thousands of miles and finally arrive in Canaan, that that would be the future promised land of the people known that will eventually be known as the Israelites. And that would come with his grandson, with Jacob, as we see the unfolding of that. And so now in, te- in the context, as we transition in verses 10 through 14, the title here is The Righteous Shall Live by Faith. Now remember, that is in essence the series title in chapter 3. And so let me just take you guys back a little bit. You see that in verses 1 through 5, we were talking about how, was, how does one receive the Holy Spirit? Well, not through works of the law, but hearing with faith. And we see in Romans 10 that, you know, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. We also know that, the, you know, we we're going to see in the text today that the just, the just shall live by faith. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus promised that the coming Holy Spirit would indwell his children only based on those who put their faith and trust in the finished work of Christ. And then as as Paul continues to make this argument that it's not the law that saves us, but faith in God's grace through right through Christ, he's our gift, and we receive it in faith. Abraham, again, as I mentioned, was an example of that. So now as we look at the righteous living by faith. So if you are a born again Christian, if you dwell by the power of the Holy Spirit, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, who is fully God, fully man, and that you believe in his second coming, you are a child of God. You are a follower of Jesus. You have been justified by faith. So let's unpack what that actually means. So here in the, in the text, again, if you're listening on the road or whatever, just listen to the word of God speak. And that's one thing I love. We're just running through the text, hearing God's word, and then let's respond to it and do our best hermeneutically to look at the language, look at as best we can, you know, of what Paul's saying and try to gather, um, you know, objectively what his intent is and why, for example, he used Abraham. You know, what's his choice of words when he's referring to a curse or uh, the book of the law? What's he? What, what's his intent there? Why is he setting it up the way that he is? And there's sometimes where it's going to be pretty obvious, and there's sometimes where I would just admit and say, uh, "This is I'm taking a gamble here. I'm not certain. This is speculative." Um. You know, here's the Greek meaning and contextually, this is what they're living like, living life like in the culture and the social structures of those days. You know, we can factor those things in, but that does not give us 100% accuracy of getting the text entirely correct. And so we just got to keep that in mind. But the gist of where we're at right now in Galatians 3 is that you're not saved by the law. And so Paul's making that case. He's showing the Galatians who did come to faith in Christ, but they're new believers. Remember, he, they don't understand justified by faith. They don't, they're not understanding the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that's the amazing thing, you guys, by the way, with salvation. You know, in, in, day, in, in when all my travels, and particularly when I deal with different denominations, you know, there's a lot of um, factors that we put in place of a person receiving Christ. 
And a lot of times we expect for them to, to know and affirm, you know, certain doctrinal things that they have to wholeheartedly be, believe and also to be able to articulate, to validate or to verify whether or not they're saved. And that's just not the case in scripture. You know, the bare bones of the gospel, as I just mentioned earlier, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, when you recognize that Jesus came into this world, lived a sinless life, the second person of the Trinity, he's a second Adam. First Adam failed. And as a result that we were born in death. And the outcome of that is recording to Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. That's spiritual separation from God. That's physical death, right? That we will die. But then if we don't know Christ as our Savior, if we have not been reborn or regenerated by the Holy Spirit, according to Titus chapter 3, 5, and 6, then hell awaits us. And God doesn't send us there because he's an evil being. We send ourselves there because of free will. We freely chose to reject his truth. And it's not just a one and done incident. Think about how many times if you're listening to this podcast right now and you look back in your life, right? Just take a moment, maybe even pause and say, let me reflect how hard did I make it to come to Christ? People that God put in my life, circumstances, you know, maybe even facing death a time or two as I've talked to many people and they've shared their testimony and they go through major trials and yet it still was not enough. But God in his grace, providentially, you know, they would fall upon a particular book or a podcast or a preacher or a family member or just a dream and they cry out to God and they repent of their sin, accept him. And maybe it took them 10, 12, 15, 20 years until they finally broke down and came to Christ. I was just talking to a friend of the family who says he knows Jesus, but for, hasn't lived as a quote unquote Christian, if you will, someone who's been justified by faith most of his life and was kind of embracing religious pluralism that, you know, all roads lead to God, whatever God is to you. He could be, you know, uh, some form of a deity or pantheistic or, you know, manifest themselves in, in different religions. That's not Christianity. And I'm not sold on the fact that the guy has accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. I think he, he accepted and believed parts of Christianity. And then through that, he just has kind of made a smorgasbord uh, of his own religiosity. And he just kind of more or less defines it as the Western version of evangelicalism. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not Orthodox Christianity. And it's okay to say, based on what you have said, hearing your background, hearing your story, looking at your particular beliefs and how you're living, I got to honestly say that you may believe Jesus is a savior of some form, but that is not truly accepting Christ as savior and having to work through that. And I say that because, the, and, and you look at the text here with the Galatians, that's what the struggle is, you guys. They're, they're newbies. They don't have it all together, uh, but they put their faith and trust in Jesus. And then, and that, and that, and it's, and I, I don't want to say it's gullibility in a sense because you can't um, blame them or find them guilty for not understanding what you and I understand. Two thousand years removed from Christ, with all the systematic theology, right, that we have, uh, to say this makes perfect sense. They didn't have that knowledge at the time. This is new stuff, and so we got to keep that in mind: is that 
we can't just expect people who know Christ that they know everything in order to affirm or to validate, like I said, or, or for verification that they're indeed saved. Now, of course, as you grow in your faith, we are told that we are to grow in our faith, right? We were not to be, remain stagnant. And just like we grow physically or we grow in age, we are to also grow spiritually. So you may be a Christian for 20 years, but that doesn't mean that you're a mature Christian. And you know that based on Galatians chapter five, how you're walking in the spirit. And you know that based on second Peter one, when you're adding to your faith, virtue, et cetera, to love. And so there are ways that we can measure where we're at in Christ. But the key thing for today is to affirm and to validate salvation based on justification by faith, the righteous that is living by faith. And so that's the next wave but where Paul's going to go into this. And so right here in verse 10, for all who rely on works of the law are under a curse for it is written, quote, now he's, he's referencing a particular verse here in Deuteronomy 27. Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and to do them. 11, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not a faith. Rather, quote, the one who does them shall live by them, end quote. Verse 13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, quote, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, end quote. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. All right, so that's our text for today, Galatians 3, 10 through 14. So let's break this down now. So again, I, I spent a little bit time in my opening of just kind of bringing us full circle into this text to understand then why Paul is addressing several Old Testament passages as he is articulating the righteous living by faith. So now after exposing the legalizers, false hope in Abraham in the law, right? So he was, you know, that and essentially is the Judaizers or the legalizers that were telling the Galatians that, okay, you guys know Jesus, um, but you need to be crafted in to be a Jew, to be legit. And so you need to follow the law. But after exposing that that's actually false hope, Paul now is using the text. He said, okay, I used Abraham and now I'm going to be using Jewish scriptures to point out the flaws of where these Judaizers are coming from and trying to convince and persuade the Galatians to live under the law plus Christ. That's not justification by faith. And so that's the argument he's going to be making. So he went from expressing the blessings, right, that come from God's promises, going back to, again, verses 6 through 9 with Abraham, to now in verses 10 through 12, he's going to be showing the punishment that comes actually from breaking the law. Okay, so... If you want to say that the law liberates you, that you're legitimately justified in your walk with God by being under the law, then if you break the law, you receive its punishment. And that's why he uses this phrase from Deuteronomy 27. The Bible says clearly, the Jewish scriptures, that is, curse be everyone. And so Paul's expressing the fact that no one can keep the law in its entirety. So cursed be everyone is literally what Paul would write to the Romans. Remember, they're all about the law, the Romans. Greeks are all about wisdom. Jewish people are all about loving God with all of your heart. And so he combines those three cultures into the Christian walk, if you will, the Christian worldview. And so when you looked at Romans and he says, for, for all have sinned, 
and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. It's essentially what he's referencing here is cursed be everyone. And why is everyone cursed? Because no one can keep the law in its entirety. Remember the half-brother of Jesus, James chapter 2, verse 10, he says, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. And that's the reality. We know that to be justified by faith, it's not keeping the law because the law condemns. Now, remember the law, God put forth the law. So the law in and of itself is not bad. What's bad is having a doctrinal belief system that says you need to keep the whole law in order to be right with God. That's what's bad. It's your interpretation or how you view the law. Because the law condemns. It just says you broke a command. Thou shall not, etc. And you did it. You shouldn't lie. You lied. Therefore, you're a liar. And so the law can only point out the wrongs that we commit. It doesn't justify you. It doesn't say, well, you know, the law said not to lie, but you had to lie in order to get out of something. And that's okay. No, the law doesn't do that. The law cannot restore people, by the way, also. So not only does the law justify your actions, the law only condemns your actions. And therefore, it can't restore you. And again, go back to Romans chapter 3, uh, 20 through 24. You see that contextually. And so I want to read you another passage in Deuteronomy chapter 11, 26 through 28, which I believe, again, as Paul is saying, okay, you guys want to be under the law? Let's start looking through the Jewish scriptures. And remember, you don't want to mess with Paul because the man was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was a Pharisee, right? Or I should say he was a Hebrew. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And that's what he actually says in Philippians 3. And so Gamaliel, obviously his tutor, um, was just in love with his student, with his pupil, Saul of Tarsus. The man was incredible, very gifted. And so Paul's using the skill set that he was able to develop to now use it for the glory of God. And so he's looking at the text here in Deuteronomy 11, I think as he's unpacking this case, he's, or making his case, it's saying Galatians 3, and by referring to this passage, because listen to what it says. It says in, in Deuteronomy 11, see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse if you do not obey the commandments of our Lord, of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way that I am commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. Romans 8, 7 through 8, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh, catch this, cannot please God. To be justified by faith is not living in the flesh. It's not having a set of ordinances or laws that you fulfill now, because here's the thing, you guys, it's either set by what you feel you need to achieve to validate some type of sanctity, purity, holiness, consecration, or what others have set before you. So you're, it's either way, you are either trying to fulfill your expectations, which again are arbitrary, or the expectations of others, which is still arbitrary and, and relative. The flesh is hostile towards God. It does not submit to God's laws. And so ironically, when you're trying to fulfill the law in the flesh, you're not submitting to God's laws. 
So you're already breaking the law. Because the law just says you can't fulfill it on your own. And I love this because in transition here in verse 11, when he says, now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Again, Paul quotes scripture. What he does here is he links back to Genesis 15 verse 6, where it said, Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. And then you also look at Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4, where it said, the just shall live by faith. So here again, what Paul is doing, is, and this is, this is an early art, by the way, in the church, because again, this is Paul's first letter. He's linking scripture to interpret scripture. And he's doing this because he's pointing out that already in scripture, because remember I told you guys in the last episode with Abraham, Abraham, even before Christ, dying, buried, and rising from the dead, Abraham put his faith in the grace of God. And that was a prototype in the early days of God calling his people by starting with, you got to start somewhere, right? And he started with Abram. And so he's going back and saying, guys, the scriptures in the Old Testament, again, was already foreshadowing justification. And he's pointing this out because only the righteous can come from faith in God, not because of the law. So righteousness comes from faith in God, not by man's standards, not by following the law. We recognize that the law says, I am a sinner. I am condemned. I am cursed by it. But Jesus came to fulfill the law. And he lived it perfectly. Isn't that awesome if you... I, I always, when I, when I, when you get into the impeccability of Jesus, when you talk about the sinlessness of Jesus and I look at my failed attempts and I look at my brokenness and I look at my pride and my lust and my, just the evilness that in the body of death that I live in, as Paul was saying, the things I wish I did, I didn't. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. You know, that, that wrestling between flesh and spirit, Jesus never cursed people wrongly, never had lustful thoughts never stole, never lied, never hated people outright, was never envious, you know, to the extent to where he sinned, he was perfect. That's our savior, my friends. That's our ultimate example. And that's one reason why I love Jesus, of what he, how he lived. And then of course, yes, what he endured for you and for me. And so justification is through Christ. He who is righteous set a way for us to become right, to be in right standing with the Father. And that's why in Romans 1.17, Paul said, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith. And I love this because here we go again. He references this phrase that come, goes way back to Habakkuk 2 verse 4 that he, that he links from the life of Abraham who believed in the Lord and it was counted in for righteousness saying, this is the map. It started with Abram. He was righteous because of his faith that he placed in God, not because of, because of how he lived, but because he placed his faith in God and therefore, because God was the object of his faith, God made a covenant in accordance to that faith, just like Jesus said to Peter, when, G when Peter said in Matthew 16, we believe that, you know, you're the, you're the son of the living God. 
And, and Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for I will build my church on that confession. What he's saying is, you want to live right with me <clears throat> by faith? That's how I'm going to build my church. That's the confession that this church that you guys will be starting when I leave and give you the Holy Spirit. This is how this is going to be played out. And that's why he says, for it in the right for in it that the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Hebrews ten thirty eight, the writer of Hebrews, but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. And we know because earlier in that same letter to the Hebrews, by an unknown author, could have been Paul, who knows? But he says it is impossible. It's impossible to please God without faith. So it's impossible for us to be righteous without what? Without faith. But it, if Christ never atoned for our sins, then what would be our faith? What, what, what do we have faith in? And so again, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is the message that we see here from Abraham. Habakkuk 2 verse 4. And Paul's unpacking that now and explaining to them the justification that we have because of our faith in God. Because he says here in verse 12, but the law is not of faith. And he quotes again from the Jewish scriptures, the one who does them shall live by them. So in his final remark in, in sections, you know, when you go back to chapter three, verses 10 through 14, Paul, you know, here is paraphrasing, I believe Leviticus 18 verse five, where it says, you shall therefore keep my statutes and my rules. If a person does not, um, keep them, he shall live by them. I am the Lord. Or excuse me, if a person does them, he shall live by them. So those who live by the law, they're required to what? They're re required to obey each and every commandment, not as they see fit, but they are to follow them perfectly because we don't write the laws of God. Well, of course, that is that of course is impossible. No one can do that. And that's the point. Again, it's not doing the law. It's not you having to fulfill it perfectly that saves you. That's why Paul affirms, quote, the law is not of faith. So no matter how hard a person tries to keep the law, my friends, they will never, you and I will never inherit eternal life from attempting to obey the law. And if you notice what Paul says about Moses, the father of the law, he said in Romans chapter 10, verses five through nine, for Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But, I love that, but, verse 6 of Romans 10, but the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the point. And I pray, my friends, as you're listening to the scriptures being taught in Galatians 3, and you're like, you know what? I don't know if I've ever done that, that you would do that today. And if you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior by just listening to this podcast, or even if you're just getting right with the Lord, email me, info at standstrongministries.org. Now, we get a lot of incoming emails and questions and prayer requests, and keep them coming. And I do my best throughout each week in my schedule to respond to as many requests that I get. And I want to hear from you. 
if, if you're struggling, info at standstrongministers.org. If you came to Christ, I will send you some information. And hopefully we can help you wherever you live to get you in a Bible teaching church. Now notice the last two verses here in 13 and 14, the work of Christ here. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. So we violated the law of God and we broke the covenantal fellowship with him. And as a result, what do we deserve? Eternal damnation. But Christ redeemed. This term redemption will remind the Jews of Exodus when God saved his people by delivering them out of the bondage of Pharaoh. And similarly yet, and more importantly, uh, it captures now what Paul's explaining is that Christ intervened. He became the curse for us so that we might be forgiven and that we might receive eternal life through him. Isn't that awesome? 1 Peter 2, 24, he himself, that is Jesus, bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we are healed. And this phrase, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. That's the amazing thing, you guys, about our Savior. He took the punishment for us. He took the punishment on the cross. He was our sacrifice. He was the lamb who was, who was sent to the slaughter, and it was pleasing to the Father. The IVP New Testament commentary writes, quote, the Jewish Christians who were pestering the Galatian believers had drawn two circles. The circle of blessing for Jews and the circle of the curse for Gentiles. The Galatian believers were moving from the circle of Gentiles to the circle of Jews so that they could be free from the curse and obtain the blessing. But Paul has demonstrated from the law itself the surprising fact that the circle of Jews is also under a curse for failure to keep all the law. Transferring from the Gentile circle to the Jewish circle is no way to escape the curse of the law. The only way for Jews and Gentiles to escape the curse of the law is to turn to Christ, in quote. Well said. And in closing, my friends, here now in verse 14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham, see, he brings back Abraham, might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. And again, once again, he touches on the promised spirit. And so here, Paul finishes off this section, the righteous, that is, shall live by faith, by laying down two bold proclamations. One, he mentions the blessing of Abraham that is for all nations to come based on verse 8, and two, based on verse 14, that those who put their faith in the finished work of Christ will receive the Holy Spirit. And so ultimately, in the end, when the just shall live by faith, it's not obeying the law, it's putting their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and you receive, when you receive Christ as Savior, you are receiving the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that, my friends, in Scripture in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 20, 19 through 20, is a reference that you and I become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I pray, you guys, as we looked at Scripture today, that it was compelling enough to you to say, wow, because of what Christ has done for me, I am in right standing with God Almighty. And so just take the time to thank the Lord today as we looked at Scripture today and say, Lord, thank you that the righteous, and I'm one of them, because I know Christ, I'm indwelt by the power of the Holy Spirit, that I, the righteous, shall live by faith. So I pray that encourages you guys. Appreciate once again for you guys taking the time to study the scriptures with me. And again, if you have any questions or prayer requests, please reach out to us, info at standstrongministries.org. And as always, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, 
and you want to see more people just like you study and learn the scripture around the world, my friends, this reach is, is year after year as we've grown, it's entered in more nations and more people. And it's amazing. And if you want to see that growth continue to happen, please consider giving to our ministry. You can go to standstrongministries.org. You can click on the donate button. It's a secure website. You can even make your own account. You could do reoccurring giving. And your contributions, you guys, because that's how we're able to do this ministry. That's how we're able to produce and edit and put out and market this podcast to teach people contextually the Bible and help them stand strong in the word of God because of faithful donors like you. So in advance, I want to thank all of you guys for praying for us and for faithfully giving to support this ministry. I love you guys. And until next time, keep standing strong, my friends.